Devi ki jai, bhakti devi ki jai, tulsi maharani ki jai, samaveta bhakta rinda ki jai, gora premanande. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Goranga. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Nama Om Vishnu Vidaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimati Bhaktivedanta Swami Niti Namane Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pacharane Nirvasesa Sunyavadi Paskajade Satarane Vandeham Sri Guru Sri Utapada Kamalam Sri Guru Vaishnavamscha Sri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raganatam Vitam Stam Sajivam Sadvaitam Sadvadutam Parijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakam Vitamscha Panchakalpachu Vishakripasindabhyevachapatitanan Pavanavyo Vaishnavevu Namaha Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya so, we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 3, Chapter 26, Fundamental Principles of Material Nature, Text 72. A uh, number of our acharyas actually combine 71 and 72. But in Prabhupada's Bhagavatam, there are two separate verses. And this is, in America, this is on the 24th of April. In New Zealand, this is the 25th of April, 2020. And this is through the New Zealand channel, although I am myself sitting in North America. Okay. Tamasmin Pratyagatmanam. Diya Yoga Pravrittaya Bhaktya Viraktya Jnana Vivichyatmani Chintayat Tam, unto him, Asmin, in this, Pratyak Atmanam, the super soul, dia with the mind. We might note here that dia generally is related to dimahi. It's generally related to meditation. Yoga pravrittaya, engaged in devotional service. Bhaktya, through devotion. Viraktya, through detachment. Jnana, through spiritual knowledge. Vivitsya, considering carefully. Atmani, in the body. Chintayet, one should contemplate. Before reading the translation and the purport, we just want to note something about the context of this verse, which is the last verse in the chapter. And uh, coming up till now... Lord Kipiludev has been describing the universal form. He's been describing how the various demigods along with the senses and sense objects have entered into the body of the universal form 
But the universal form has not become animated. It's remained as matter. And only when the, the supersoul of the universe entered into the universal body did the universal body become animated. And so we have this first word in the translation, therefore. So there's a parallel being made between the universal body of the Lord and the Lord having to enter that body in order to animate it with the with our body. And maybe what I should do here is let me one second. So looking at this verse, Therefore, through devotion, detachment, and advancement in spiritual knowledge, acquired through concentrated devotional service, one should contemplate that supersoul as present in this very body, although simultaneously apart from it. And again, this therefore refers to in relationship to the universal body of the Lord. Srila Prabhupada's purport. One can realize the supersoul within oneself. He is within one's body, but apart from the body, or transcendental to the body. Although sitting in the same body as the individual soul, the supersoul has no affection for the body, whereas the individual soul does. One has to detach himself, therefore, from this material body by discharging devotional service. It is clearly mentioned here, bhaktya, that one has to execute devotional service to the Supreme. As is stated in the first canto, second chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam 127, When Vasudev, the all-pervading Vishnu, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is served in completely pure devotion, detachment from the material world immediately begins. The purpose of Sankhya is to detach oneself from material contamination. This can be achieved simply by devotional service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That's significant because in this section is Sankhya Yoga. The main, the main thrust here in these chapters is Sankhya Yoga. When one is detached, going on with the purport, when one is detached from the attraction of material prosperity, one can actually concentrate his mind upon the supersoul. As long as the mind is distracted toward the material, there is no possibility of concentrating one's mind and intelligence upon the Supreme Personality of Godhead or his partial representation, supersoul. In other words, one cannot concentrate one's mind and energy upon the Supreme unless one is detached from the material world. Following detachment from the material world, one can actually attain transcendental knowledge of the absolute truth. As long as one is entangled in sense enjoyment or material enjoyment, it is not possible to understand the absolute truth. This is also confirmed in Bhagavad Gita 1854. And let's see, what is 1854? Brahma Bhutta Prasanatma Nasocha Chena Kanchati Sama Sarveshi Bhutte Shumad Bhaktim Labhate Puran. One who is thus 
Transcendentally situated, at once realizes a supreme Brahman and becomes fully joyful. He never laments or desires to have anything. He is equally disposed towards every living entity. In that state, he attains pure devotional service unto me. So Prabhupada's referring to 1854. and He summarizes 1854 in this sentence here. One who is freed from material contamination is joyful and can enter into devotional service, and by devotional service, he can be liberated. In the Srimad Bhagavatam first canto, it is stated that one becomes joyful by discharging devotional service. So, first Prabhupada saying that when you understand the absolute truth, you become free from material contamination, then you become joyful, and then you do devotional service, and now he's saying we become joyful by doing devotional service. In that joyful attitude, one can understand the science of God or Krishna consciousness, otherwise it is not possible. So here he's saying, by bhakti you get knowledge. The analytical study of the elements of material nature and the concentration of the mind upon the super-soul are the sum and substance of the Sankhya philosophical system. The perfection of the Sankhya Yoga culminates in devotional service unto the Absolute Truth. So here he's saying when you get, when you analyze material nature and you concentrate your mind on the super-soul, then you have bhakti, but bhakti is what brings you knowledge. I mean, it, it seems, the cause and effect here seem a little confusing. Yes? They definitely seem a little bit confusing. That, you know, what is, what's the cause of what? And what goes with what? And, and how are we going to, um, how are we going to achieve what here? I mean, it's, it definitely sees seems a little bit confusing. And we have these kind of questions quite a bit. What what causes what? What causes what? Yes. So here we have the main principle that we can only be really alive. We can only be animated when we're focused on the Lord, just like the whole material universe can only be animated when the Lord enters. So that is the main thrust here that Lord Kapiladev is making. And then one may ask logically the question, okay, why do we have to focus on the Lord in order to be alive? It seems that lots of people are alive without being focused on the Lord. And how can we become focused on the Lord? How do we have the Lord enter our consciousness? How do we have that be our concentration? Well, the first question, which is, why is it even necessary? You know, why can't we be... I mean, the animals are alive, they're not focused on the Lord. And so many people doing so many things, they, they're walking, they're talking, they're eating, they're so many things without being focused on the Lord. So why is this, why is this point here? But we can see that without being focused on the Lord... We're really just working more or less as a machine. Yantra Rudrani Maya, Krishna says, that the body is just a machine. All we're doing is fulfilling the needs of the body and mind. We're really not touching the self. So in this world, if I think that, you know, if I think the elements of this world are, is all that is, and I think that my body and my mind is my identity, if I don't have a spiritual basis, then you could say I'm not really living. 
and not really living. I mean, the Bhagavatam compares material life to a dream. And I really like that my godbrother Sadaputta talked about material life like a computer game or like virtual reality. So it appears that we're doing something in the world. It appears that we're living. But the reality is that, that we're not. We're, we're in a kind of dream world. We're in a, a kind of illusion where we think that I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And it's just the actions of the body. And the main evidence of this fact is that we can get all this material prosperity. Prophet talks about being detached from material prosperity. We can get all this material prosperity in the world, but it, it doesn't make us happy. There, we seem to have this problem that we get it and we say, is, is that it? Is that all there is? I remember many, many years ago reading an interview with this one very famous person, a very famous musician, who had made a tremendous amount of money, and you know he had a lot of fame, he had a lot of money, a lot of talent. Arjuna, maybe you can mute whoever is washing their dishes. And then he said, you know, he got all of these things, and once he got them, he said, is that all there is? You know, there, there's no substance in it. And I think that we've all gone through this. That we get something in this world, whether it's an object, you know, I get a new phone or I get a new car, I get a new pair of shoes, whatever it is, I get a new blender. And You know, I'm thinking when I get this, my life will change. And, you know, for a day or so, it, it's exciting, and maybe a week. And then after that, life goes back to the way it was. There's a lot of research about this that if somebody wins the lottery or gets a big inheritance and becomes, you know, a multimillionaire, that within six months they're just as happy as they were before they got the money. And if somebody has something terrible happen to them, you know, they become a quadriplegic within six months. They're just as happy as they were before. You know, you, you work hard for your degree and you get on the stage with your cap and gown and you get the diploma and then you realize, you know, I'm, I'm not really any smarter than I was yesterday that nothing has really changed in a substantive level. You know, you, you get married, you get a child, you get a house, you get a whatever, uh, you move to a beautiful place, and after the initial thing, then it just becomes part of the background. It just becomes what it is. It, it, it's not really very exciting anymore. So we have this experience that there's some lack of reality in this world. There's, there's something about it. I, I've always given the example of, you know, I, was, I once had this dream when I was fasting that I was drinking water and drinking water and drinking water. And I finally woke up and thought, I was drinking all this water and still remaining thirsty. Because it, was, it wasn't real, it was dream water. So without activating the soul, without coming to spiritual realization, nothing really has any meaning. It's, it's taking place on the superficial platform. It's, it's not something that we, the soul, are frankly experiencing. Of course, Krishna speaks about this in the 5th chapter of Bhagavad Gita and the 13th chapter, chapter of Bhagavad Gita, that we're the observer. This philosophy of us just being the observer is becoming more and more accepted in modern society. Unfortunately, through impersonal or voidist philosophies such as Buddhism rather than through personal philosophy. But still, this concept that we're just the observer. 
that what's happening in this world is not really happening to me. That my identities in this world are not really me. Whether I'm saying, you know, I'm, I'm a son or a, or a business person or I'm a happy person or I'm a critical person or I'm a skinny person. But none of these things are really applicable to me. They're, they're things that are constantly in flux and they're all external. But when we come to the spiritual platform, then we realize, wait a minute, who am I really? Who am I really? And only then are we experiencing. Just like Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita that in the mode of goodness all the gates of the body are illumined by knowledge. And we have this uh, verse, Sarvapati Vinir Muktan Taparatana Numala Rishikesha Rishikena Sevanam Bhakti Ruchite, that we should be engaging all of our senses in Krishna's service because otherwise it's Ashri Krishna Namadi Nabhaved Grahamindriya Sevan Mukehi Jivado Swayam Evas Parachyaha. That with our senses we're not perceiving the truth. That means we're not perceiving the truth even of this world. I'm not perceiving this world as it is. So unless I'm awakened spiritually, I'm, I'm living a parody of life. I'm not living real life. I'm not getting real satisfaction with life. So then we might ask, okay, well, how do I do this? How do I bring a consciousness of God into my life? What do I do? And at first glance, I think a lot of this purport seems confusing, right? Because, all right, so let's look at this again. So we have to detach ourselves from the body by doing service. Okay? So Prabhupada's saying here, we do devotional service and bhaktya, and then when we do that, we'll get detached. And then he says... That when we serve Godhead in pure devotion, detachment from the material world immediately begins. Okay, so that seems pretty clear. I serve the Lord with devotion, in completely pure devotion, Prophet says, which seems like a high bar to most of us. So I serve in completely pure devotion, and then it immediately begins to be detached. And then Prophet says the purpose of Sankhya is to detach oneself that can be achieved by devotional service. So the purpose of Sankhya is detachment by devotional service. Then Prabhupada says, when one is detached from the attraction of material prosperity, one can actually concentrate his mind upon the super-soul. As long as the mind is distracted toward the material, there's no possibility of concentrating one's mind and intelligence upon the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In other words, one cannot concentrate one's mind and energy upon the Supreme unless one is detached from the material world. So wait a minute. So by doing bhakti, which means I have to have some focus on the Lord, I become detached. But I can't focus on the Lord unless I'm already detached. And then Prabhupada quotes Bhagavad Gita 1854, Brahma Bhutta Prasanatma, where if I'm Brahma Bhutta, I'm joyful, and then I can do bhakti. And that will liberate me. And then he goes back again and says, one becomes joyful by discharging devotional service. And in that joyful attitude, I can understand the science of God. Otherwise, it's not possible. Then he goes back to talking about Sankhya, analyzing material nature, and fixing your mind upon the super soul are the aim and substance of 
Sankhya, which culminates in devotional service. So it seems to saying, okay, I, I get detached from studying material nature and fixing my mind on the super soul, and then I can do bhakti, but I can only get detached if I do bhakti. So what comes first? And, and this confusion about what comes first was what motivated Arjuna's question in the Bhagavad Gita. So let's go to Arjuna's question. It's so nice that I can share my screen with everybody. Okay, so Bhagavad Gita, if I go to chapter 12 and I go to text 1, where Arjuna is asking, which are considered to be more perfect, those who are properly engaged in your devotional service, those who worship the Supreme Brahman, the unmanifested. Now, if you, if you look at his verse, what he's asking here in the Sanskrit is what's better? Is it better to immediately take up bhakti or is it better first to become liberated, the aksharam and the avyaktam, is that better to do that first? Right? And it, it seems to be the same kind of conundrum that we're looking at in today's verse. You know, do I get detached first and then do bhakti? Do I do bhakti first and then get detached? At what point do I become joyful? Am I joyful by doing bhakti? Or am I joyful because I'm doing sankhya and I've realized the Lord? You know, it's, it, it's a little confusing. So let, let's look at this because I, I see that this confusion causes problems in people's sadhana. This is not just an abstract philosophical idea. You know, once I've accepted the abstract philosophical idea, and maybe I've experienced it to some extent, maybe there's some experiential element here, that my life is worthless without God, that unless I'm filling my consciousness with the Supreme, however I understand that, that my life is not worth anything. Okay, that's, I get there. And then I'm like, all right, so what do I do first? And many times, even people in, in ISKCON, many people in the Hare Krishna movement, many Gaudiya Vaishnavas in general, will think, okay, first I've got to purify my mind, and we have this statement, right? Where is it? As long as the mind is distracted toward the material, there's no possibility of concentrating one's mind and intelligence upon the Supreme Personality of Godhead. You know, and then we have, and Prabhupada says it again, in other words, one cannot concentrate one's mind and energy upon the Supreme until one is, unless one is detached from the material world. So we might say, okay, what I'm going to do first is let me first become pure. And then I'll try to think of Krishna because Prabhupada's saying here, I, I can't. He, he says, right? There's no possibility. Not even possible. There's zero possibility. One cannot. Okay. Okay. So first I'm going to become pure. And then I'll think of Krishna. And how will I become pure? Well, I guess I could take a Sankhya, which is a study. It's, in, it's analyzing the material world. Something like what we talked about right in the beginning of this class. Well... People who would achieve fame and wealth and position, they're still not satisfied. 
everything's like a dream. It's not really touching me. I'm just the observer. What's the nature of the world? So that, and Sankhya, Prabhupada is saying here, Sankhya involves both Gyan and Dhyan. We have the word Dhya in this verse. Both Gyan and Dhyan. So he's saying Sankhya involves the Gyan of understanding the nature of the world from Shastra and from observation. And then Dhyan, or Gyan, trying to meditate on the Lord. And then that gives one the detachment that makes one joyful and then you can always think about the Lord. Okay, so we'll do that. And that mood has the very strange and unfortunate effect, first of all, of denying what Krishna says in the 12th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, and second of all, of making members of the Krishna consciousness movement adverse to being Krishna conscious. So people start thinking, well... Because I'm still materially attached and I, there's no possibility I'll think of the Lord, I won't even try. In fact, I shouldn't even try. I shouldn't try to be conscious of Krishna. They then translate the activities of bhakti into meaning what Krishna talks about in Bhagavad Gita 12.10 where he says, Krishna karmani, if you can't practice sadhana bhakti, which he's calling abhyas yoga in 12.9, then just work for me. So devotees of, of Krishna, and followers of the Gaudiya tradition, I've, I've encountered this over and over again, will say, well, activities of bhakti means then that I just move the incense and ring the bell, I sell the book, I sweep the temple, I mouth the words of the Hare Krishna mantra, but I'm not even going to try to think about Krishna. Because I can't anyway, because I'm, I'm not pure. And in that case, what they're doing is they're trying to become pure through Gyan and Dhyan. They're trying to become pure, or maybe through Karma Yoga, but in this particular verse we'll focus on people trying to become pure through Gyan Yoga and Dhyan Yoga, through Sankhya. I'm trying to become pure philosophically and mechanically. Which Krishna says, don't do it. He says, Klesha Dikajarashtesham. He said, that's a very troublesome way to do it. So what is the alternative? Now it is a fact, as Krishna explains in the 12th chapter, that you can take up Gyan Yoga and Dhyan Yoga first and then come to Bhakti. And it's that fact that I understand Srila Prabhupada is also referring to in today's purport. There is a yoga ladder. So you can take up Gyan Yoga or Karma Yoga, which, again, we're not talking about Karma Yoga today, but just for completeness. You can take up Gyan Yoga or Shankya, which Prabhupada's explaining is Gyan and Jan combined, become purified, and then go to Bhakti once you're in a platform of peace and joy. But Krishna says, Klesho, it's very troublesome to do it that way. It's an option. It's a real option, but it's a troublesome option. He says, eventually they'll come to me. And we see that people who go on this path, although ostensibly members of the Krishna consciousness movement, it takes a long time. You know, they're going on 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, and they're still not Krishna conscious. 
the kind of thing that Srila Prabhupada was speaking about in 1966-1967 of being attached to Krishna is is not so much manifesting. And because we're an Anumaya Biasat, because we're pleasure-seeking by nature, if I'm not really absorbed in Krishna consciousness on the platform of emotion and desire, then it's very, very difficult. Krishna says, Klesho, it's very difficult to just, especially in Kali Yuga, especially in modern society, to just become purified through Gyan and Dhyan. So Srila Prabhupada is also giving the bhakti perspective in this purport. And that is that through bhakti itself, one develops Gyan and Vairagya. The Gyan and Vairagya that are necessary for advanced stages of bhakti at, that are in, that's integral to bhakti comes along naturally by bhakti. And that we don't actually need Gyan and Vairagya that's not integral to bhakti at any stage. The necessary Gyan and Vairagya that's being talked about here is something that's part of bhakti. Like the jnana we're talking about here is understanding how wonderful Krishna is and how Krishna created the world and how Krishna is pervasive in the world. This morning I was hearing a class where Prabhupada, what, what year was it from? I think it was a pretty early class. And Srila Prabhupada was talking about how we understand, oh, this was um, 75. Prabhupada was explaining how you know, we can experience Krishna in the taste of water, Krishna in the light of the sun, and so forth and so on. You know, that's the kind of gang we're interested in. We're not really interested in philosophical wranglings. I mean, that that may be there as part of our service, just like in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Adi Lila, Chapter 7. If you really want to find the good philosophical arguments about against impersonalism, it's just study Adi 7. I mean, you've got impersonalism, personal counteraction. Impersonalism, personal counteraction, like that. And there's many purports where Srila Prabhupada details uh, atheism and the counteraction to atheism. So that's there. It's not that that's not there, and that's an important part of our preaching. But it's not the kind of jnana that we're required to have in order to attain bhakti. It, it just isn't. You know, and... It, that all gyan comes naturally from bhakti. If I love Krishna, I get to know Krishna. And if I know Krishna, I get to love him. And so we should be cultivating a kind of gyan in bhakti that leads to loving Krishna. I probably told my father in 1974, he said, all religions are bona fide if they teach you to know God and to love him. So this is the kind of gyan we're interested in in bhakti. We're not really interested in, again, just so we become great philosophers who are detached, but we're interested in, again, so that we can fall in love. If you think about it, uh, even in this world, if some man and woman meet with the idea that they're exploring, do they want to become romantically involved, do they want to get married, what do they do? They try to know something about each other. Right? So where do you live? How many brothers and sisters do you have? What do you like to eat? What kind of sports do you like? You know, there's one experiment done that there's certain questions that if people ask, if a couple who's never met 
if they ask those questions of each other in that order, they're, they're increasing in depth of intimacy, that they will feel very close by the end of that 45 minutes. It's, it's kind of interesting. That basically if you get to know somebody well enough, you'll feel some attraction for them. So that's the kind of gain we're interested in. And the kind of detachment we're interested in is a detachment of um, fidelity. It's a detachment of loyalty. That I love Krishna so much that I'm not interested in having my attachment to things that are in opposition to that love, to things that are going to oppose that love. It's, it's not so much a detachment due to disgust that, oh, material life is just awful. <laughs> it, that's there in the ghastly rasa, but that's, even that is related to, it's ghastly because it impedes my relationship with Krishna. Not it's ghastly because it's ghastly in and of itself, or not that I'm trying to enjoy some ghastly rasas separately from Krishna. Just like I've been eating dinner at my granddaughter's house. So there's a back deck that connects two different buildings. And she doesn't like it when people walk on the back deck barefoot or with socks because she says that it brings dirt into the house. And nobody else there cares about it as much as she does. But I'm thinking, okay, out of love for her, I'm going to make sure I always wear shoes on the back deck. You know, for me, it's like, okay, I could go barefoot. It's just like 10 steps, and then I can just wipe my feet on the mat, and it doesn't really matter to me. But out of love for her, I develop a kind of detachment from anything that's going to impede my relationship with her. I hope that all makes sense to you. Right? And the kind of thing we're trying to become detached from is enjoying the world separately. It's like if you're visiting someone's house, you don't steal their silverware. Right? You don't try to enjoy their house separately from the owner. You know, you may sit with the owners of the house and have a meal together, but you don't just steal food out of the owner's refrigerator and run and eat it in the backyard. So what we're trying to become detached from is stealing the Lord's energy. Why? Because we want a relationship with the Lord, and it impedes that. So it's, it's not, our philosophy is not separate, our detachment is not separate, it doesn't cover our bhakti. We don't think that our detachment and our philosophy causes our bhakti. We're not thinking, well, if I become really detached and really philosophical, then I can love Krishna. No, we're not going that route. It's possible to go that route through the yoga ladder, but it's, it's not what we're being advised. It's a harder route. But what we're being advised to do by Srila Prabhupada, and it's, it's actually quite extraordinary in his beauty and simplicity, is we're being, being encouraged that if we want to have a real life full of meaning by having a concentration on Krishna, we should start with bhakti. Which means starting with concentration on Krishna. You say, but Amina, didn't you say that that wasn't possible? So how do we do that? So how do we concentrate on Krishna while we're still materially attached? What do we do? We concentrate on Krishna primarily by hearing. If we look at the stages of meditation that are explained by Jiva Goswami in the Bhakti Sandarbha, they're explained by Srila Prabhupada quoting uh, Bhakti Siddhanta in Nectar of Instruction, text 8. They're also explained by Bhakti Vinod in um, Harinam Chintamani in Jaiva Dharma 
and in his commentary to Manushiksha text 11, we find that the first step in meditation, the first step in meditation is hearing. Now, this doesn't mean hearing in a superficial way, and it's not hearing to try to remember the plot so we can answer trivia questions. You know, sometimes I see devotees on social media posting trivial questions, trivia questions about Krishna, and I, every time I see that, I think about how Srila Prabhupada got really upset when devotees did that with children in the Dallas school. They had a competition as to who could remember trivia questions. And people who get into the details of the plots end up getting disturbed because the same pastime is sometimes described differently by different personalities or in different Puranas or even, you know, the same Acharya may describe the same pastime differently in different places. And we're thinking, okay, what's the right story here? But hearing about Krishna is not about getting all the plot details correct. That's not the point. And it's, it's not so I can... I, I remember I visited a place, which I will not name, that had a Sunday school. And they said that what they did at the Sunday school was they would read the kids' stories about Krishna and devotees. And then they would give the kids multiple-choice exams on these stories. And I was like, no, no. (laughs) And and they, they told me that by the time the kids were 12, they they all left. And I thought, well, no wonder. I said, the kids are already getting stuff like that in regular school. They don't need that in their Sunday school. One of the teachers said to me, well, Armila, we have to give them spiritual knowledge. And I said, that's not spiritual knowledge. That's not Divya again. You know, being able to answer a multiple choice exam about Dhruva Maharaj is not Divya again. So hearing as the first step in meditation means it's a meditative hearing. And what are we meditating on? Right? In the seventh chapter, Krishna starts Maya Shaktamana Partha. Absorb your mind thinking with of me with attachment. So our hearing about Krishna should be hearing in a way that we become more attached to him. This whole big section of the universal form, in this section of the Bhagavatam in the third canto, you know, there's other chapters about the universal form in the second canto, and then, of course, the eighth canto in the Bhagavad Gita in the eleventh chapter. This is to become attached to Krishna even in the things of this world, the light of the sun, the taste of water. Right? the sound in ether, but you have an emotional attachment to Krishna. And the next step in meditation is accepting, where from hearing, the emotion and attachment and desire starts to become part of me. And the third step is literally called meditating, smaranam. But hearing and accepting are also considered stages of meditation. So even before we can fully concentrate on the Lord, so even if we're on the stage where our concentration is broken, that effort to concentrate on the Lord in bhakti is what gives us the knowledge and detachment and joyfulness and so forth that allow us to focus on him more and more and more and more. And so even at the beginning, Kevalanandakanda, there's joy even at the beginning, 
And not only is there joy even at the beginning, there's some sense of freedom even at the beginning. Yes? And there's a sense, going back to what we talked about at the start of this class, there's a sense that life has meaning. So even though I'm a beginner in the science of bhakti, even though I still have so many material attachments, even though I have so many desires to enjoy my senses in this world in so many ways, still, by starting the process of meditation on Krishna with icha, with desire, with ashakti, I start experiencing that my life is meaningful. And then as we go on in bhakti, that increases and increases and increases and increases. So it's not a matter of, well, until I'm an advanced devotee, until I'm fully pure, I can't really experience that. No, that's not a fact. One can experience that even in the beginning. So I'm thinking uh, I'll stop here. We have another 15 minutes. So if people want to ask questions, I'm going to stop sharing my screen. Okay, so I have a question here in the chat that somebody might say, well, I'm not getting any emotional experience from Krishna, so I have to get my emotional experience from non-devotee movies, books, and music in order to be satisfied. Uh, Well, the fact is that until we're fully satisfied with Krishna, until we're fully connected with Krishna, we are going to be trying to meet our emotional needs in other ways, whether we're upfront about it or not. Uh, that's, that's just the reality. Uh, and it's something that it's best to just kind of say, okay, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm eating the, the wonderful pakoras not so much because I'm relishing that Krishna ate it like Mahaprabhu, but because I want to enjoy my tongue and my belly. So, okay, you know, that that is what it is. But at least we should try to get our needs met in some relationship with Krishna and not not entirely in the material energy. So you were saying, you know, how can we cultivate the emotional aspect of our bhakti practice? And it really is starting with hearing. It, It really is. I mean, it is starting with hearing. But hearing in a way where we absorb ourselves. Now, one, one easy, easy way to do this, it's it very easy, because we all know how to do this. Prabhupada, in speaking on this talk, Maya Shaktamanaparta, he, w- he was speaking in Sanan, India in 75, to an audience of non-devotees. And he said, we all know how to become attached. You know, it, it, we all do it all the time. You know, I, I, I have to do some intentionality, and I, I think this is, besides the philosophical problem that I talked about where we may feel I can't allow myself to get emotionally involved because I'm not pure. The other is a technique. My prophet says a technique of spiritual life. And this is to turn our mind. You only have to turn it like a little bit. But to turn our mind to the emotions of the people that we're reading about. You know, it's, it's really not that hard to do that. 
I mean, perhaps it might be easier if the Shastra was written like a, you know, a novel or something. That we were more accustomed, that we're, we're more accustomed to getting our emotions involved in the form of a novel. You know, at the time the scriptures were written, people weren't really writing novels. And people were very accustomed to being able to get emotionally absor- absorbed in the Shastra. Right? There weren't there weren't big Superman movies or whatever and you know, millions and millions of, of books. And people people didn't have that same difficulty I think that we face. But if you took it like that, you know, how do I get absorbed in the emotions of of a novel? I start identifying to some extent with the characters and start thinking about well how do they feel? I mean, it's very simple. Like, like let's just take... Um, we're coming up to Nisinga Chaturdasi. So, you know, how did Kayadu feel? How did she feel? You know, her husband is, is torturing her son. And she couldn't go anywhere. There wasn't a CPO, you know. What, what was she going to do? How, how was she feeling about that? She had heard all the philosophy in Narada's ashram, although she did, really didn't remember it. It didn't stick in her consciousness. How did she feel when Nisingadev came out of the pillar? What did that mean to her? That Nisingadev saved her son and killed her husband. What, what was her response to that? What, was the, what were the feelings that the demigods have? I mean, we can read their prayers to Nisingadev and get into how, how did they feel? How did they feel when the when the Lord appeared? How did they feel when the the Lord's fighting with her Anyakashipu and he, he lets him slip from his hand? And then you know, Aranyakashipu is thinking, Shh, I've won. You know, what were the thoughts and feelings of these different personalities? Okay, so we have another question here. If we focus on, this is from Dave Woods, if we focus on Krishna as the means to become pure, does this mean we don't need to focus on our purity? We can thus fully depend on Krishna, or do the two need to be focused on simultaneously? Fantastic question. Srila Prabhupada often talks about how this, these things happen automatically, and I would compare this if you're going to buy yogurt in the store. So if you're going to buy yogurt in the store, you look at the ingredients. You know, you have some focus on the purity of what you're buying. So we're offering ourselves to Krishna. Therefore, we do want to try to purify ourselves, at least in certain ways. You know, we want to take a bath when we get up in the morning. Uh, Rupa Goswami says, don't neglect to brush your teeth. You know, we make a deliberate effort to follow the four regulative principles. Uh, we make a deliberate effort to pick up our japa beads and chant 16 rounds. So it's not that we're not doing anything for our purity, but we're doing that to please Krishna. As far as our, if we're going to talk about our level of spiritual advancement, so the Shastra itself, right? Satam prasango mamavirya sambhido, bhavanti vidkarna rasayanam kita, so that verse 325.25, I think it is, 
it gives the sequence of bhakti, and of course we have Rupa Goswami who explains that there's Adushraddha and there's Bhajana Kriya, the Bhadushraddha, Sadhusanga, Bhajana Kriya, and so forth. And these stages are given so we can have some idea of where I am. But the whole idea of understanding where I am and how purified I am is really only for two purposes. First of all, it helps us to decide how to associate with others, not how to judge and condemn others, but how to associate with others. Because I'm supposed to associate differently with those who are higher than me, those who are equal, those who are those uh, who are, aren't quite where I am yet. And the other reason for that is that the rules are a little different, Bhaktivinoda says, in Bhaktiloka, depending on what stage I'm on. So knowing something about my stage gives me some idea, okay, how am I supposed to practice bhakti? So how am I supposed to associate and how am I supposed to practice bhakti? But it's Krishna that's purifying us. I mean, it's interesting, Bhaktivinoda says that when we take up Krishna consciousness, Krishna kills all these demons in our heart. He naturally purifies us, but he says, getting rid of passion and ignorance is done by Balaram in killing Palambasura and Dainakasura. Balaram represents Guru, and we have to cooperate with that process. He said this is the, something like the mystery of Raj Bhakti. So it, it's kind of both. You know, I take up as part of pleasing Krishna, as part of becoming attached to, attached to Krishna, I take up some principles of purification, not because I think I can purify myself, not because I'm thinking if I follow the four principles, then I'm going to be so good that I'll have earned my way back to God and I'm going to purify myself, but to show my sincerity. And ultimately, Krishna purifies us. Okay. Um, Okay, from Krishnandu, you also wrote that connecting with the feelings in pastimes is a wonderful strategy. And I found the biography of Narottama was wonderful for that, and from his wife, Nikunja. How can we know that our desires are aligning with Krishna's desires for us? Oh, this is also a very wonderful question. Well, we do have guru, we do have sadhus, and then we have shastra. So if we have a close relationship with guru who's on the planet, that's certainly something that we should discuss with Guru. We can also ask sadhus. And then we have that Krishna's telling us that we have a nature. Each of us has a particular nature, and we're meant to use that nature in a way that glorifies him. So if I'm doing that, he's happy. If I'm not doing that, he's not happy. There you go. If I look at what kind of a person I am, what is my nature, and I do that for Krishna, and, and if I'm a grahasta, I also do that as my means of livelihood. So we know, Krishna says that. He wants that. I mean, it's not a secret. Krishna says, look at your nature, at least in these four basic areas. Are you in the field of ideas? Are you in the field of government? Are you in the field of resources? Or are you in the field of artistry? Look at your basic nature. Have your means of livelihood come from that categorization, each of which encompasses hundreds of thousands of careers, and dedicate that to me. That's it. And we can look at our nature in terms of where we are in the life cycle, Am I a kid? Well, then I should study for Krishna. 
Am I youthful? Well, then I should raise a family for Krishna, have a career. Am I in middle age? Well, then I should retire for Krishna. Am I in old, old age? Well, then I should get ready to die for Krishna. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's simple. And I have my activities of bhakti. I should offer arti to Krishna. I should offer flowers. Pacham, pushpam, palam, twayam, yome, bhakta, prayati. But as Rupa Goswami said, we should offer Krishna very things that are very dear to us. It's one of the 64 angas of bhakti. So, yeah, that's, that's there. I mean, it, it seems really simple, but I think a lot of us like, ah, what's my nature? How do I use that to earn a livelihood? How do I use it in Krishna's service? And for that, we can consult with the sadhus and guru. Okay, we have a nice question here. How do we know when we are, quote, alive, acting in Krishna consciousness, and how do we know... Oh, that's from Agahanta Haribo, Agahanta Puru. How do we know we're just acting as a machine? Oh, Prabhupada talks about that in today's purport. We will feel joyful. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have any other emotions. That doesn't mean that we're all like, ah, all the time. There are a variety of emotions in Krishna consciousness, but uh, and as many emotions in Krishna consciousness as there are in anything else and on the pure platform. But we'll feel that sense of, of joyfulness. We'll feel that life is an adventure and we'll feel that we'll we'll feel the presence of Krishna everywhere. I mean you can also look at verses Gita twelve, thirteen to twenty to really see that answer to that. Okay, and then we have another question. This is from Facebook. It appears that some people gravitate towards a more box ticking approach to their spiritual cultivation in what appears to be a response to avoidance of emotional relationships and the complications that come with that. Kind of like a more fundamental approach to spiritual life, many times it seems these type of people try to validate their position aggressively by comparing others unfavorably. Well, this is complex. How do we deal with these kinds of situations? Okay, so I'm, I'm hearing that, first of all, we have what the Christians call a works righteousness approach. I'm going to tick the boxes, you know. Did I do this? Did I do this? Did I do this? Did I do this? Rather than emotionally being coming attached to Krishna. So at best, at best, we're looking there at a karma yoga approach or a karma kanda approach rather than a bhakti yoga approach. So that kind of thing is really covering bhakti with karma. It's also an attitude that you know, what Krishna talks about in the Karma Mimamsa philosophy, that if I just do the right thing, then God is obligated to give me the result that I want. Uh, it, it's a really poor response to the concept that I've offended God, that I've turned away from Him, Bahirmukhi, and that I need to get myself right with Him again. I mean, if, if a man cheats on his wife, it's not that he can just bring her roses and a diamond necklace and say, okay, now you've got to love me. So we've all cheated on Krishna by flirting with Maya, and it's not that, you know, I'm just going to give Krishna some flowers or something and say, or just sit around chanting his name for a certain amount of, of hours every day, and then, okay, now now you have to just give me enlightenment. It's it's actually kind of um, it's, it's actually kind of disrespectful, and yeah, to try to avoid emotional relationships and the complications that come with that. Yeah, you know, we've been burnt in this world with our emotional relationships. I have been, I'm sure, 
All of you have, have been burnt with various emotional relationships. We love people. We give them our time, energy, money, thought, care. And then they go around and go, nee, 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 I don't like you anymore. You know, it, it's, it's painful. It, it's very painful. But the solution isn't to cut off our emotions and just think I'm going to earn my way back to Godhead by ticking off boxes. You know, that's troublesome, Krishna says, and it will take a long time. It will probably take a lot of bursts. Okay, these type of people try to validate their position aggressively by comparing others unfavorably. Well, most people try to do that. <laughs> I don't care what kind of Maya we're in, whether it's strawberry Maya or raspberry Maya or vanilla Maya, whatever kind of Maya we're in, we often try to feel good about ourselves by criticizing others. Um, just like the demon Vrikasura, we were watching that puppet show the other day, my, my daughter and, and great-grandson were watching the puppet show of Rikasura. And Rikasura says, I'm going to become immortal by killing everyone else. And my daughter said, when I was a kid, I just thought that was so stupid. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to live forever by killing everyone else. So I'm not going to establish that my process is better by putting you down. I mean, I think that tendency is just so unattractive in religious people. You know, I have a friend on Facebook who I used to go to high school with who he was raised Jewish, he became a Christian. And he often posts these things just criticizing every other religion. It's so unattractive. It's just, it's just so unattractive. You know... If you want to say what a nice husband you have, you don't have to go listing the faults of all the other men in the community. You know, it's just that even if all the other men in the community are all dorks, you know, maybe your husband is one too. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. So trying to say I'm right because everyone else is worse than me or everyone else is, you know... It's not even a logical approach. Okay, so we've gone an hour and two minutes, so I think we should stop here. Thank you very much. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai. Shri Bhagavatam Ki Jai.